Hello, my extraordinary princess in the beers, and welcome back to another guest starring episode with none other than Ebony Smith. Now, I get hit up a lot, like practically daily, to have other coaches come onto my podcast. And I love supporting other coaches because I am all about the abundance mindset that there is plenty more where that came from, that there is never a scarcity of clients, nor is there a scarcity of coaches because we all are like little twists of that knob of the safe. So if something I said is said in one way and then someone is something I've said is said in another way, but by somebody else at a different time, in a different place. Maybe you hear it differently and it actually maybe lands and sinks in that time. So something I may have said for hundreds and hundreds of times and hundreds of episodes now, you may hear it from somebody else and have it really land. The other thing that I like to make sure of when I bring on other coaches is that they are walking their talk. Because there is, let's be honest, a low bar for entry for coaching. However, when I find one that is a diamond in the rough. I have to bring her to you because she is such a badass and she brings an energy of claiming. I think every single one of you, especially if you've been a people pleaser in a past lifetime, will totally see and understand how she got the success that she has gotten in such a short time with growing her business from being in corporate to now being a business owner. And you will hear in this episode the identity, the beliefs that she has and how she daily embodies those beliefs of really claiming her desires and being absolutely so freaking unapologetic for what it is that she wants and the big, big, big ass goals that she is going for. And I have no doubt in my mind that she is going to achieve them. Actually, right after we got off of this episode, I told her, I said, you have a nine figure business. And I saw it for her. Because her demeanor, her essence, her identity, how she shows up is so freaking congruent with that level of income. I have absolute full on certainty and clarity that she will be achieving exactly what she sets her mind to. And she's already got quite a few notches under her belt. I am so honored to have Ebony on and to be her first podcast interview that she has ever done and she knocked this bad boy out of the park. So you will see and experience and hear that everyone has first and the identity of when you claim what you're going for regardless of whether it's your first time or your 14th time or your 400th time. When you claim that identity of the badass vision that you are creating your dreams manifest at rapid speed and you become the bridge to what other people said was impossible. You become the bridge that makes it possible so that no longer people say that's impossible for you to do that. That's crazy for you to do that. When you claim that vision that you have and the identity that it takes to become that vision, that is how Ebony shows up, and that is why I'm so excited to have her on because I know she is going to be in high demand for other people's podcasts, and I got her first. So I am so honored to have Ebony on. Without further ado, I give you Ebony Smith.
Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, my amazing princess and the beers, and welcome back for another astounding episode of the Princess and the Bee, and I am so excited to be here with you and another amazing bee for badass, Coach Ebony. Hello, hello, my amazing Princess and the Beers, and welcome back for another extraordinary episode of The Princess and the Bee, and I have another amazing Bee for Badass Coach here today, Miss Ebony Smith. She is an executive coach and the founder of Ebonem Equation. She began her career working for Fortune 100 companies such as Ryder, Sunco Logistics, BP Integrated Supply and Training, and World Fuel Services. Over the course of her career, Ebony held various leadership roles with increasing responsibility in operations, logistics, sales, marketing, and oil origination. Now she spends her time running her certified woman-owned and minority-owned business, providing services in the areas of foresight strategy, coaching, facilitation, and talent development. Ebony's superpower is utilizing her extensive experience and straightforward, authentic approach to enable leaders to lead more effectively and inclusively. Leaders often research ideas, thoughts, and processes to acquire knowledge on topics, but rarely integrate the information into everyday action. And that is where Ebony exceeds. So Ebony, welcome to the Princess and the Bee. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's such a pleasure. And, and I do want to let audience. Uh, and I do want to let you all know this is Ebony's first podcast interview. She's spoken on stages before, but she is blessing me with being the first. So I am so honored to have you here. How did you get started into moving from corporate into leadership coaching and where, why, why specifically leadership coaching? Okay. So I'll give you a little bit of my backstory. So I was on a trading floor, trading oil derivatives putting together financing deals for companies' biggest purchases. So airlines and shipping firms, trading derivatives and helping them come up with risk management around price, oil price risk. And I went to Bhutan in October of 2014. It had been on my bucket list probably for about eight years. And I was like, am I ever gonna take three weeks off straight? I mean, I had six weeks vacation, always two in the bank eight weeks vacation, am I going to take three weeks off and take this trip hiking through the Himalayas? And that, that year, I decided, you know what, we're going to start crossing off this list. So I did 10 days in Machu Picchu, which is the picture behind me. And then I did um, 21 days with a group of badass girlfriends. And we spent 10 days in Bhutan. We spent some time in Doha, time in Bangkok. And so while I was there, I meditated a lot. And I was like, I know that I have a bigger purpose. What is it? Lead me there. 60 days later, I got an ultimatum at work to move. 
because it was going to serve the corporation. I'd said no probably like four times uh, to move or leave. And I was like, I'm going to pick me. And so this was the fork in the road. They didn't know I had been doing all this development work. I'd always had a coach myself. And then as I was sitting home on that first Monday, I had to figure out what was I going to do? And so I was like, you know what? When you're curious, when you're in times of trouble, get curious and start learning. And I decided that, you know what? It may be cheaper for me to become a coach than to hire a coach for an entire year to walk me through this. So I went to coaching school. Amazing. I love that you follow your curiosity. And something that I work with a lot of my clients on is like finding that curiosity that sometimes people call it intuition or gut intuition, but like, where do you, where does that curiosity kind of live in relation to your body? Um, for me, it's a gut feeling and knowing that I don't have an emotional attachment to the decision. I just, mm -hmm. I'm not going to make the decision that they thought I was going to make. And so literally I resigned and the CEO of our company, Fortune comes to my desk because I was on the same floor with him on the executive level. And he goes, but we're a good company. I said, I know, and I'm a good person but I'm gonna pick me. And so we're gonna depart. And so I had a long non-compete. And so that gave me the bandwidth career-wise. And I initially thought I was going to coaching school really just to work on myself so that when I went back to my next company, I would be a better leader. But as we all know, the universe and source has their own plans. And so once they start you on a journey, um, the path unfolds and I'm okay with driving at night. And so I'm okay with living my life only seeing about 120 feet in front of me. Um, and if I get scared, I shine a little bit more light on that part of my life and figure out where do I need to get curious. And also for the first time, because a lot of times as women, we don't ask for help. I tapped into my network. And so I started having a lot of conversations with a lot of people and they were generous and they wanted to have those conversations. A mentor that I'd had in corporate who was CEO of the largest company in his, in his sector globally I called him and said, hey, by the way, I'm, gonna, I'm going on garden leave. And he goes, that's amazing. I had a one-year garden leave. This is what I did in between being COO and being CEO of this company for one year. And he walked me through it. And he goes, don't be attached to the outcome. I promise you there's a lot for you to learn and a lot of things for you to, to figure out. And so I told myself, even though I traveled a lot and I love traveling, I had a global travel job, I was going to stay home. So for the first time, I spent 60 days in my own house, sleeping in my own bed. I'd never done that. I had an 80% travel job before then. So can you imagine like to live in a house for that long and not have slept in your own bed for 60 straight days? Slept in my own bed, ate my own food, hung out in my house, breakfast with friends. I'm like, come over, I'm cooking breakfast. You can come over before work. 5.30 breakfast is fine, I'm up. And just like really connected with my friends and myself, which felt really great. So that's how I got here. Um, an ultimatum from four men who didn't think I would pick myself. <laughs> wow. How has the practice of non-attachment served you? And how do you practice non-attachment? Well, first of all, I'm still on the road. Um, I think I went from being super skeptical to now I just accept. And I was like, and it doesn't mean that I don't work hard and I don't have intentions. But I also had this underlying, underpinning faith, I would say, and gravitas that I sometimes give, that I give the universe as often as I can. And then I also, I mean, I work with a coach. I'm a coach. I have a coach. I work, I have multiple coaches because when you become a coach, then you realize, oh, I can get a coach for this and a coach for that. And so <laughs> I 
I work with my various coaching people. And one was like, you need to work on patience. The person who wins, who has patience will sit on the throne. And you're feeling frustrated because you're not being patient. Time will unfold. It's an illusion anyway. Let it unfold and it won't, won't, it won't unfold on your timetable. But like, that's really how it came. And they're like, when in doubt, write. Get your ideas out on paper. Thought leaders are the ones that attract other people. You want to grow your business, grow your thought leadership. And so those are the things that I got through non-attachment. And I'm on the path. I am nowhere near where some of the people I know, and I'm like, oh gosh, I really want to be like you. Like that's an aspirational version of me for tomorrow. But the version of me today is way better than that version that was five years ago, or even the version of yesterday. So that's the part that I'm grateful for. How do you balance, especially as a woman, um, the masculine doing hustle energy, which I love, and the feminine ability to receive and that patience? And how, how have you found that dance as you've entered into the world of entrepreneurship? I would say I had to learn it because I, corporate entrepreneurship and growing a corporate brand and business and sales is much different than growing a small business that you own. And so just understanding what that dance looked like um, and learning like a whole bunch of new terminology and processes that just aren't a part of large business doing business with each other, right? When it's small business doing business with large business, it's a totally different track. And so I would say um, being authentic, getting my voice out there, and then being clear on what's the one thing I want them to buy from me. Because a lot, they, they, don't, they can't handle it. I can do 10 things. But I need to say, all right, this is the one thing that I want as a gateway offering that I'm going to be able to knock out of the park for them. And from there, I'll get a loyal client. And so I think being myself really is the way. Like some days I feel really feminine and other days I feel like, you know what? You deserve the greasy talking version of me. We're not going to be soft and pretty. We're going to be really greasy talking and letting you know we're not putting up with this. And so like just understanding that those moments flow and come. But those are also the reasons why my clients hire me. Like they like that there's a lot of duality and there's a lot of different sides of how I show up as a coach and as a, as a service provider. So yeah, that's the part is I can authentically be myself without a mask and still enjoy the life that I'm leading, which is interesting. Did you feel like when you were in corporate that you had to wear a mask or dull down your femininity to, in order to get promoted or um, any of those or, or that certain masculine rules or old boys club really came into play for you as you were growing your career? I think sometimes I couldn't be my full self. And a lot of, a lot of it isn't masculine. It's just, I sometimes I think it's cultural differences as well. And just understanding that I was on a majority, you know, male team that was in the majority race. And I was the only non majority race or gender on my team and so just understanding like I can't tell them everything that I'm doing they might not understand some of the things I'm going to go do and that the women that I worked with on my first trading floor there were about 70 traders but only seven of us were women and I was the only African-American um and so on the whole floor as a trader yeah there were other people but like that's the kind of the pinnacle job and I was the only yeah. one and so just as a woman if we go gender-wise you can't quite show up the same. The guys are like, are you going to plan lunch? I was like, did you plan lunch last week? No, I'm not planning a lunch. You know, we have an admin. There's three analysts that work on this team that <laughs> I, I promise you they have college degrees. They can handle lunch planning. Don't ask me to plan your lunch. And so just understanding what those boundaries were for them. 
And okay. I love the fact that you held your boundaries like such a badass. Right. And telling the guy next to me, hey, buddy, stop eating sardines. They smell. We're on an open trading floor. You and I share the same trash can. If you put another empty can of sardines in that trash can, I'm going to fight. And by the way, you brush your teeth every day before you go home. I'm going to need you to brush them after lunch as well because I smell our sardines all afternoon. And I don't enjoy it. I don't get paid enough. And so just understanding like trading floor, you're very close. It's an open culture. We have a lot of, we have boundaries, but then we also don't have any boundaries, you know? And so just getting comfortable with my team, they were comfortable with me. I was comfortable with them. We would like have all kinds of, you know, great conversation in our downtime, but also like setting firm boundaries. Like I don't enjoy the smell of used sardines secondhand. And no, you should not eat fish at work <laughs> ever. Period. Period. Or, or hard boiled eggs. Yes. Period. <laughs> left our desk for lunch so this is five years of eating at your desk so everybody can smell what you're eating what you're heating up some things don't smell good secondhand and so just having those kind of conversations like i think those are th those are more the boundaries and less around like the hard big things because mm -hmm. people are respectful and whatever but just kind of understand like he's like oh the guys never said anything i was like they say something to me but they're not saying anything to you so i'm going to tell you no more sardines and you can't empty that fish trash in our joint trash can take it to the kitchen and so you know he did it he was great he's like i told my wife what what you said and she was like i can't believe nobody ever said anything to you <laughs> I was like, who are you people <laughs> when you were growing up did you who taught you this ability to stand in your power amongst men amongst you know being being a minority like uh, how who taught you this amazing boundaries that you have and, and the power that you have it's it's extraordinary um I, my great women great women like you know whether it's my mom my aunts my grandmother my mother always told me as a kid she goes you can say anything you want to me but you better watch your tone and so that helps with finding the language that you need to communicate what you want without with doing it in a respectful way so that you connect with people but also they don't feel like you're being hostile or that you you are angry look i'm just going to say this to you because it needs to be said and that's it um and so that's the thing right it's that that was the thing and i think you know i had a lot of great low-risk incubators along the way whether it was volunteering as a candy striper as a kid or being in girl scouts or um i worked in the guidance department as one of my club activities when I was in high school and I'd help people navigate the college application process. And then when I was in college, I was an, a resident assistant. So I was an RA. All of those things, I think, prep you in, you know, low risk ways to incubate your own leadership and helping you stand in your power of how things are going to go. When you're the resident assistant on duty and you're a sophomore and you have like, you know, 500 freshmen in your dorm that you're in charge of for that night for the shift, then you take it, you know, you're, I took it very seriously. I felt responsible for them. I met their parents on move-in day and they were like, can you like, can she come to you? If she has questions, I'm like, sure, don't worry. You know, I'm here for those kind of things. And that's, that helps, right? Those were low risk incubation situations that have, I've been graced with throughout my life. And I think that really has helped me move forward as a person to be able to set the boundaries. And we all have them. You just have to look for them and identify them. Um, of where you got incubated for that particular skill. 
And like you said, it's like the boundaries aren't necessarily these gigantic, you know, boundaries. It can be as simple as like sardines, but sometimes just that that simple setting that simple boundary, it it puts you in that place of of personal power. And I believe a rising tide lifts all boats, and I, I'm sure all of your fellow coworkers fully appreciated that. <laughs> That you lifted that that scent of sardines out of out of the the, the water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and you know, as you get comfortable with those boundaries, then you take bigger leaps. And I remember I joined my second company. I came in as a fairly senior person. They didn't have a work from home policy when I joined, um, and so as soon as I was off probation, I stopped coming in on Fridays. And so I remember my boss's boss saying to me, "He was the EVP. He goes, do you not come in on Fridays?" I said. No. And he was like, is that company policy? I said, no, but it's my policy. I'm going to work from home on Fridays. He goes, why? Because we can't wear jeans. And I don't, I'm tired of wearing a suit five days a week. And I travel and I'm going to work from home every Friday. And I did it for seven years. Like it was a known thing. Like, oh, it's Friday. You know, she's not coming in. I worked and I was online and I was on video calls. But like, honestly, I wanted that day to decompress into my weekend. I traveled so much during the week. That like when I came home on Thursday night, the last thing I wanted to do was be in an office. I wanted to be at home. So I did. And so my boss, I cleared it with him. He was like, I work from home full time. How am I going to tell you that you can't work from home on Fridays? And so I just set my own policy. And then everybody else adapted. I also then at the same time decided that I was no longer going to, in the middle of key trading hours, go to meetings that people set. And I would always dial in. So even if I could see the conference room from my desk, I just didn't go. I would dial in remote, like people on our team in Singapore and London, and take the call from my desk and continue working. And they're like, are you not joining us? No. I told you, I don't enjoy meetings during my core trading hours. I will dial in and listen. But if the market moves in a way that I need to take action, I need to be at my desk to do that because this is my primary job here. And I enjoy management, but if you really wanted me to participate, you would do it after the market closed. Plain and simple. And if you set these policies, people would hear them. What are they going to say? I love the fact, and I hope everyone is listening is picking up on a couple things that I really hear from what you've just said. One, decisiveness. Like, you saw things, you made a decision, and that was just, you didn't ask for permission to make that decision. You weren't like dancing around, like asking for feedback on that decision before you made the decision. You made the decision and then living and operating by these personal policies that, and, and business policies or career policies, whatever, but having a set of policies in place that are non-negotiable and that you made that decision to live by those personal policies and they stick. And I think how is have those two policies, beliefs, habits, the habit of decisiveness served you as you've grown your business? Um, I would say it helped me with creating a formula. So when I was on the trading floor, we all got in very early. It's like a ridiculous early policy just for staff meetings before the market would open, right? So I frequently got up at 5 a.m. That was before I even knew about Robin Sharma's 5 a.m. club, which I love. Um, but I was getting up at 5 a.m. to go to work. And so quite often I was there just before six, but so was my entire team. And so understanding that excellence takes discipline and that excellence sometimes needs a container. I often went to work with that same container. And just like in my career and just like when I'm coaching um, people or helping design leadership development programs, 
we set a container. I know we're gonna bake a cake. I just don't know if it's a cheesecake or a chocolate chip cake, or if it's a, you know, a butter pound cake, all of those things. I just know I'm baking a cake that day. And if I give myself the right container, all the ingredients I need to be successful is gonna show up. I just don't know what kind of cake I'm doing at the end of the day. And I think that's what having those policies. For me, I like uh, a little bit of the rigor, a little bit of the steps. I have a chemistry degree by training. And so I'm very process driven with a, a slightly creative edge. And so having that process built into my day and how I'm showing up really helps. Like in my business, Mondays and Fridays are business development days. I do service providing or service design on you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It works for me, it works for the team, it makes it very easy. And then I make sure that I'm getting all of the things I need to do to scale my business done on Wednesdays and Fridays. And sometimes I have to take an entire week, like, like I need to block a week because I really need to move this forward in an exponential way. And so it needs a lot of time. So just understanding that, tracking my time, putting the great time blocks in, those are the boundaries I set for myself around, um, I would say business growth. And so my mastermind group does the exact same thing. And so we all push each other. I think community that has a similar formula also helps in how I'm able to move forward. Amen. I mean, the community that you surround yourself with, it's, it's so widely known and stated that you are like the five people you hang around with. And that's why masterminds and growth friendships and mentors and coaches are so valuable and so necessary because they move you, they push you if you want to move forward at an exponential rate. And I would love to, to ask, how did you tap into your network when you first were growing your business? Like, what, what was the process that you put into place when, as you were starting? Because I think this is a question that I get a lot um, from my community of like, where do I start? And I always say start with your network, but then I get the question of how do I ask? Like, what do I ask for? So I would love to hear from you as to how you actually tapped into your network. Um, so my friend who's a journalist, she edits a magazine for a living. She helped me write the copy for my website. And then another friend's husband does digital work. And so he's a graphic designer and does logos and digital campaigns. She goes, she, I was talking to her, she goes, he'll design your logo. And then she yells out to him, Dave, Ebony's going to contact you tomorrow. You're designing her logo for free. So he sent me, we went through color design. He's like, what inspires you? What shapes do you like? It's the logo that I use today. He's an amazing graphic designer. Um, my friend who's the magazine editor helped me, taught me how to write, how to get my thoughts down on paper. So they made sense. And she goes, I'll edit anything you write. Just keep sending it to me. Right. And so did that. Uh, another friend, I'm like, oh, I think I want more coach training. She goes, my one friend went to this school. I'll connect you with her. I signed up two weeks later. I started. Um, and I started in a cohort not in the city that I lived in. I decided I was going to fly there um, for all of their in-person sessions um, because it was near my mom's house and it was a great excuse to see my mom. But also it helped me get a more diverse network because I had the network in my home city. Mm -hmm. I did training in another city um, in the federal space, in, the, in Washington, D.C., in the federal space, because you're going to get a lot of federal people. I didn't know at the time I'd end up growing a government contracting business that I have. And so a lot of my services I provide to government entities. And so that also helped because now I have this network that's available there as well. So just kind of tapping in. I had other friends who have like MBAs in entrepreneurship from Wharton. And he's like, oh, this is how I've started the three businesses that I've sold. 
and just kind of having the conversations with them and understanding that it looks really simple. It looks really simple, but it is more complex and there is a specific knowledge set to get a great small business going. And so, you know, I probably fumbled around in the dark for about two years. Um, I gave myself some gravitas and then now I'm really on the scaling up phase and like, can we do 3X every year? Can we do 5X every year? My goal is 10X. Um, and so creating that network of people as I've kind of expanded and grown and got different certifications, I have entrepreneur friends that are 5X in their business every year. And she's like, I have a formula. If this much million in revenue equals this many additional new employees. And so as long as we stick to the formula, she was, I have my formula built out to, you know, a nine figure business. And that's the business that I'm building for myself. And so I was like, wow. And she was, I, she was trusting me when I started, I thought it was going to be like seven figures. She goes, but now as we cross over and she goes, I really have my eye on nine and hopefully I can get there in the next seven years. And just understanding that people have big dreams and they'll tell them to you and you should have big dreams too. And you should tell your dreams to people that'll be like, yeah, you can do that. I think you're thinking too small. That's how I, that's the network, right? I met her at a, at a meeting and we had breakfast together before then. And literally we've been good friends ever since. Like I provide services to her company. She provides services to mine. And it's just been a great way to kind of build out the network and get advice. So um, tapping into your network and understanding when to ask and what to ask for and the difference between a mentor and a sponsor, right? And so a mentor will tell you about their story and their experience and a sponsor will slot you in to the actual position and give the guarantee for the people that are hiring you. And how do you cultivate those sponsor relationships to grow your business or to get an end into a corporation? Or how do you you know, cultivate the mentor relationship when you just need to tap into people's experience and get advice on a regular basis? So yeah, I mean, my one of my biggest mentor stories, I would say, he wasn't in my network. I've been following him on social media. He's well known in the industry. He was speaking at a tech conference that was in my city. And I just went and um, I went to his speaking event early. I set the intention before I left the house. I wanted to meet him. As I went into the session, um, one session early to get a seat just in case his was full. I was going to sit through the speaker before he was walking in. And I said to him, hi, John. And he goes, hi, you know who I am? I was like, I follow you on social. He's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. What's your name? And then he sat down next to me and we started talking. Then we had lunch and then dinner together at the same conference with like other people. And then he became my mentor. He goes, these are the things I see that I think you should look at. And he's somebody I can call whenever I want. And literally I just set the intention before I left the house that I wanted to develop a relationship and a connection with him and let the universe serve it in the way that it chose to in that moment. So hopefully that answered the question. I know it was long, but. Oh, that was a, that was a perfect, beautiful answer. I love I love one of the things that you said specifically is you're surrounding yourself with mentors that make big dreams seem normal. And it's one of the things that I got very curious about when I saw my toddler going from walk, like crawling to toddling. And I said, why is it so easy? This big, like it's a full body transformation to go from crawling 
to walking? Why is it that toddlers aren't doubting themselves or wondering if they can or like questioning every time they fall on their butt? What's like what the next step is or like if they're going to be able to ever walk? And it, it dawned on me that they like when we are taught learning to walk, everyone around us is on two feet. So it's normal. It's absolutely normal. And I think as we go for these big dreams or as we start to have those big dreams or share those big dreams, a lot of people who've given up on having those big dreams will make it seem abnormal. They'll make you seem different for having those big dreams and lofty goals. But there are people out there and groups and masterminds and friends who make that normal and who say, oh, you really, you only want to hit, you know, six figures, go for seven, go for eight, go for nine. Like that, that is the mentality to get in to when you want to like change and grow at a rapid pace and the circle of people to surround yourself with. So I'd love to, to shift gears for a moment and talk because, because being a minority, because being a female and the experiences that you've had in corporate, how important is it to have that diversity and inclusion and how do you bring that into your your company culture and into our culture as, as a as basically humanity of making that making that seem normal making diversity and inclusion be normal for these higher up positions too um i i think it really comes down to people tapping into who they are at their core right and so understanding that um stepping outside of yourself is not going to be the easy path it's much easier to call up your cousin and say, hey, do you know anybody that you in your company that you could recommend for this position? Harder is asking people you don't know on LinkedIn or that people you met at a conference, hey, by the way, we have two positions we're looking to fill. Can you help me um, inside of your network? We'd like to have a very diverse candidate pool or we'd like to be inclusive of different backgrounds um, in filling this position because we, have, we don't want to create an echo chamber. A lot of times, some of the things we see in the press are because people have unintentionally, unconsciously created an echo chamber. And so even on diverse teams, like um, where people are ethnically, racially, nationally different, I coach a lot of teams in Latin America, but when I give them all personality assessments, the leader hired the exact same person. Hmm. So mm -hmm. diversity comes in a lot of different forms. It's gender, it's race, it's nationality, but he, he attracts a certain personality type. He's one of my clients. And when I showed him the statistics on his team, he goes, oh my God, we're all the same people. I go, you are. That's why you're not making plans. You need to go for the people who aren't like you. Yeah. It's really hard and you're not going to get on like grease lightning during the interview, but you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper because they may be your best candidate. Um, and they may help balance out your team so that you can begin to hit your goals at a faster rate because they're gonna see a lot of things that everybody in your team isn't seeing because you are literally all the exact same personality type. You've built, you've hired 40 people just like you. They're men, they're women, they're Hispanic, they're Chinese, they are every race, but you picked the same personality type. And he was like, I really did <laughs> unintentionally, right? And I love the fact, I, I experienced that with a client of mine as well, where I was like, Dude, all your team is the same. They're all freaking like nurturers and they like they all have a big hearts, but like 
the processes and the data and the research, those also are essential team members. And so how do you, like diversity, I love that you brought up the diversity is not just race or nationality or background. It is personality. It is diverse personalities to be able to have that beautiful blend of humanity and perspectives. Because somebody who's like uh, one of my team members, Marie, she sees the world through spreadsheets. Like that's her jam, like processes, like that's her thing. I see it in a very different way. And it's, it's so beautiful to be able to have that diversity to see a really beautifully organized spreadsheet for one <laughs> and a process that I'm like, Oh, this, I, I would have, I wouldn't have put that together. Like it's, because it, she just thinks like that. And so it's having that diversity of personality is so essential. How do you, what, what are the personality, I love personality tests. So what are the personality tests that you incorporate and that you put your clients through in their teams? Um, everything from strength finders to Colby. So Colby talks about how you process information. And so um, in one of my mastermind groups, we always call each other by our Colby, which is like, oh, I'm a long line follow through. I can sit down and do a process map for anything, right? But then I have half the group is quick starts. I was like, oh, you guys are at it again. Stop spinning up new ideas. We actually need to implement something. You cannot implement one new idea. <laughs> Just finish the ones. And that's how we hold each other accountable. She's like, oh, yeah, so you're really stuck. You need some more quick start to get that done. Other people are fact finders, right, in Colby. And so they're really fact driven. They have to research everything before they can start. Other people are really great at implementing. All they really want to do is implement. And so for me, that's one of the ones I would use on a team. I'm like, so I'm going to need to know your Colby score because I need more, you know, quick starts for my team because I am the follow through. And so I want somebody that's going to be like, hey, stop, get out of your own way. Just get done. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just need to launch. Right. And so those kind of things. I also love strength finders, understanding like what's your, um, for your number one strength. My number one is I'm a maximizer. I take good things and I make them great. And so that's really helpful for my clients when I'm coaching them because I see their greatness. And I'm like, if we just tweak this and tweak that, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a different branding internally in your company. And so those are the things that, I, those are the ones I like. I like MBTI. I like Energy Leadership Index. Like how do you show up energetically as a leader? Um, I also like Wealth Dynamics for entrepreneurs. It's Ooh. Like, yeah, it's one out of Asia. And so it's based on the I Ching and using Carl Jung's work, but um, it's a great one. It talks about how you show up as an entrepreneur and are you the mechanic, the star, or the creator, or are you the deal maker? And you need to kind of round out all of the points in that assessment. So I use assessment. So the process person to me looks at myself from up here, and then I'm designing different parts of me as a leader, as a business owner. And I think if I got more information about how I show up from up here, what would I tweak? to make it the process a little bit easier for me, a little less stressful, a little better designed. I use design thinking for everything. I, I believe in UX, um, which is user experience methodology. How can I design a better experience for myself? Because in the end, part of the, the non-attachment is designing a life that really works for you. And so if you can design a life that really, really works for you, it no longer becomes a job. It's just how you live in your life. And then you don't need a vacation from it. Because you wake up every day enjoying what you want. A string of amazing days leads to an amazing lifetime, and that's my goal. And so uh, that's how I use the information, just really to design a better day for myself. I love that because it's not a, an attachment to this, like, because I think a lot of people, they take that, 
that personality assessment and then they're like, oh, this defines my identity. And, and it's like, no, 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 that's, that's adding on attachment and identity to the thing. It's like, that's how you operate. You can always shift how you operate. Like you can always pivot and do those little tweaks. So you bring in a little bit more or bring in support around you that can help tweak and amplify how you operate. Um, but that personality type, it doesn't have to like, weigh you down or be used as an excuse to define your behavior, like use it as an assessment rather than an excuse to say, oh, well, I'm just like, I use the bank personality test a lot in my business and with my clients and, oh yeah, I'll send it to you. It's, it's amazing. It's a valid, it's values based. So it teaches people how you buy. So how do you, and not only buy, cause we're buying all the time, but like, how do you buy into an idea? How do you, how do you persuade? And so in that, in that personality type, um, and there's all, you know, there's all correlations between all the personality tests and all that. But with that one, when I see like, I'm an action. So I like, I, I get things started and I love taking action. Um, and then having those blueprints on my team that help, that help keep that action and processify it and make it a little bit more organized. And then also come at it from a nurturing customer experience perspective that changes the game. Um, but that seeing how each one of these interlaces and then living by that and saying, okay, here's the action where the action is really good. And here's where I could maybe lean back on that action and maybe rise up with my, my nurturing and help with that part and help increase that part of me. And the same is true for using that for any tool that you're working with, with with clients, with team, with anyone, um, is that those personality traits, they identify you, but they are not your identity. Correct. I 100% agree. I just use it to figure out how can I navigate a situation a little bit better. Exactly. They're the tools, but that you are still the pilot. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So I would love to, I have so enjoyed our conversation, Ebony, and I would love to get into a little bit of rapid fire. Awesome. Let's go. Ready? Who is your favorite female character in a movie or book and why? Um, it, it's from obscure. <laughs> scientific movie. The new version is coming out in December. Uh, it's a Frank Herbert character. Her name's Alia. She is the sister of Muad'Dib in the Dune series. And so I loved science fiction when I was a kid. I watched all the movies and yeah, that's who I like. The new version of Dune the movie is coming out um, in December. So I'm super excited about that. <laughs> awesome. I, my husband's very excited about that one too. He's a <laughs> total science fiction nerd. So <laughs> he's like trying to convince me to watch more sci-fi. I'm like, no, <laughs> not my, no. I like some sci-fi. I do love Battlestar Galactica. That one was an, that was an exceptional show. Um, like I said, rapid, I, I told Ebony before our call, before we started the interview, I said, rapid fire sometimes turns into rapid fire and sometimes it just turns into little conversations. Um, how do you define your kingdom? It's my home. Honestly, I just believe in a home that rises up to greet you. And I, my, my space is feng shui, And so it's really important to me. Everything from the smell, the look, the feel, to clearing the energy, like just understanding my home is my kingdom and it's really served me well during COVID. I'm actually been okay. Like I, we all have not great days during the quarantine period, 
but I would say most of my days are great days. Like I love every room in my house and I pretend it's a different place. I love that you use your imagination so much. And that's, it's, it's awesome. How, if you, if you're, um, if you had a curse jar or a swear jar, how much money would you have to put into it every day? Now this also depends on how much would you charge yourself? So it depends. Um, are these curse words I say out loud or ones in my head? Ooh, see that, see, open-ended, totally up to you. <laughs> a decent amount. I worked on the trading floor for 13 years. <laughs> and so um, I am very good with not cursing with clients, but at work it was perfectly acceptable to curse at the screen. And so there's a decent amount of swear words that could come out um, at like, ah, oh, why'd you do that? It, like those kind of things. Like, you know, and so, yeah, you know, I may put like one or two in there a day. I think the more peace I found in who I am and how I'm showing up less, if I was full in my corporate job, you know, it could be, yeah, $100 a month. Um, <laughs> and not cursing at anyone, just saying like, why'd you do that? And now I'm just like, oh yeah, that now I'm just more like, oh, that happened. That's fine. <laughs> and so how would you reinvest that dollar or two a day? Um, massages. Ooh, good one. Even a two massage a week protocol. See, I'm at a one massage a week protocol, and I'm like, this is good. Like, I could go to two. <laughs> yeah. So before COVID, I was on a two massage a week protocol. Um, I heard that at a conference, and I was like, well, we should try that one out. That is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just become a personal policy. <laughs> Some things you should read about, some things you should test. We're going to test this two massage a week protocol. And the guy was just talking about like, um, he's like, self-care is important if you're going to reach legendary status. And so two massages a week, one hot soak every night. I do that as well. Um, and, you know, taking tree baths, which is just walking through a park or a forest. There's even the trees on the sidewalk count and trying to make sure you walk under 11 trees a day. And I was like, those are easy things. That's my, that's my thing for 2020. So I adopted a two massage a week protocol up until COVID. Yeah, it's, it's been great. It was great. Awesome. I'm so happy. I live in the Gold Coast right now. And so massage is are open. So I got to bring massages back. That was the one thing that for two months, I was like, oh my goodness, bring back massages. So back to rapid fire. Who would you like to trade places with for one day, just one day and why? Um, there's a woman, her name's Janice Bryant Howard. A lot of people may not know her, but she's the first black woman to start a billion dollar brand in the United States. She's still alive. I would love to trade places with her just to see life from her eyes. She started her company with like $1,500 in 1978. And her company's still going today. Her kids are running it. She's 70. She's in her seventies. I would love to just be with her for one day. That is amazing because the first black, the first mi female millionaire was Madam C.J. Walker. So both two black women. That is extraordinary. I dollar brand. She's the first one to found a billion dollar brand in the United States. Um, and so, yeah, like I would, she, she's the one that I would, I would pick. I mean, if it was like a contemporary or somebody that's, you know, younger, it could be like Sarah Blakely because I really admire the fact that she still owns 100% of Spanx and that she never took investors. And so, which is the model that I've been growing my company with. 
And so, um, yeah, so somebody like a Sarah Blakely would also be great just because um, she has an ethos that she lives by and that's how she grew her company. And so it would be great. So Janice Bryan Howroyd, and then my next choice would be Sarah Blakely. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? Hmm. I think a life well lived. So if I feel good about that day, like I said before, my life is, is a string of great days. When I'm sitting in the tub, I'm doing a little bit of reflection. I try to do five small wins at the start of every day. If I got my wins done, then I'm on my way to a really well-crowned life. And so that's how I would, I would do it. And my soak at the end of the day, when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, did I get what I wanted to get done today, Don? Yep, I did. Beautiful. Ebony, how can we find you? How can we work with you? I know you have your Build Your Accelerator workbook that's coming out in training. So can you tell us more how to find you and where we can learn all about you and support you in the work that you're doing? Because I just think you're extraordinary. Oh, thank you. Sure. The, the Build Your Own Accelerator workbook is a workbook I kind of wrote for myself. Um, because we're always oftentimes are solving our own problems as coaches and it was I didn't get into an incubator for uh, women-owned businesses and I talked to a friend the next day and she goes well what did you want I want like I wanted somebody to show me how to accelerate my business and she goes aren't you a coach can't you build your own accelerator and I was like you're right and so I did and so I also figured out that that process could tra be translated for leaders in organizations since I'm a leadership coach. And so it's just me walking them through how to harness the resources that are available either at their company or through Google um, and doing a little bit of Google homework and how they can begin to ramp themselves up. Um, and then my other program, and so this is all on my website, Eponym Equation. Um, the other thing is that I developed an ICF accredited coaching school for managers uh, and leaders in organizations who want to develop more of a coaching culture. And that's the Ebonem uh, Leadership Academy. And it's just, you know, training for people who want to bring that coaching edge um, and secret sauce into their own promotion style. Because I think if you get good at building better relationships with the people who matter most, your actions then match your goals and you're just going to move forward faster. And so that we're in the relationship business. Um, and that, that's how organizations function. And so I built a coaching tool that's designed on building better relationships. Ebony, oh my goodness, you just, you just dazzle me. I am so excited for A to be, you know, the first podcast, which I'm sure I'm, there are going to be so many for you. And just the, the value that you have delivered on this, on today's episode. I hope everyone was taking notes because she, Ebony delivered some amazing value, including like really tapping into your decisiveness, setting your personal policies. I just learned about tree baths, which is amazing. <laughs> totally incorporating that one. And also the importance of self-care and, and the importance of leadership and values diversity, not just racial and ethnic diversity. And so I am so honored to have you here. As always, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Till next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, 
business, and life that rules.